0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the equine network family.
1: This is episode 183 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by BioStar US. You can find them online at BioStarUS.com. On today's
2: show, we discuss allergy testing for horses. Critter of the show is the red panda, and in Critter Nutrition, focuses on labeling definitions. Join us. <laughs>
1: This is Coach Jen. I'm Tigger. And Patty's not here. (laughs) (laughs) That means it's party time. She went AWOL. (laughs) AWOL on us. (laughs) Well, even when Patty's not here, I get to pick the chit chat topic because by the time it gets to this time of the day, Tigger's all in
2: (laughs) or all out, as the case may be.
1: (laughs) And I got myself a great big cup of hot chai tea. So look out. Oh yeah. I discovered it's, I think it's Twining's brand I have, makes what they call um, double-spiced chai.
2: Holy cow. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I've got my chai tea. So today's, today's um, question is, on Horses in the Morning this morning, Glenn did his uh, James Lipton routine. <laughs> long, long time ago, there was a show, I, I love James the great, a show great. called Inside the Actors Studio. Yes, fantastic. And he interviewed people. And the program was, they were filming it for acting students. Yeah. So the, the interviews were not what you would typically see, like, on Jimmy Kimmel or something. And he would end the interviews with his... That I ten, loved that. That's one of questions. my favorites. And they did that with somebody on Horses in the Morning this morning. So that Oh, oh that's great. So we're going to do two of those questions today on oh. our chit-chat. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite word? You have to know. answer. That's the whole point. I know, I know, I know, I know.
2: <laughs>
1: um, this is supposed to be rapid fire. Well, Whatever pops into thing, your head.
2: The first thing that came to my mind was was Smurf.
0: I
1: love it. Oh, that's funny. So, the were you a, were you a, were, you a uh, were you a fan of the the animated character?
2: No, isn't that interesting? I, I, Smurf is it's got m and, an earth. It's just got it. Kind of got all these great sounds. And it's
1: in a different timeline, an alternate universe. Smurf is a swear word. <laughs> really? It's a, it's a, I, it's gonna, it, it, well, like you said, the sound smurf that when you spit it out, it sounds, it should, like it should be an exclamation. Smurf.
0: Oh, smurf. Smurf!
1: It's a word that you can, you can, it can mean anything. See?
2: Oh, you little smurf.
1: That's that's fabulous. That's fabulous. And that makes me think of, and we had also on horse, look at this, on horses in the morning this morning. A Susan Friedland Miss Susan Friedland, New York Times bestselling author, just did a book about Marguerite Henry, who wrote the Misty books.
2: Ah, loved them as a kid. Loved them. And
1: one of the parts of that book that really stands out, because I probably haven't read it in 50 years, is when they name Misty. They have to give her a name that sounds... It sounds good no matter how you say it, like Smurf. You have to be able to say it quietly when you're petting their nose. And you have to be able to yell it across the field when you call them in for dinner when they were naming Misty. And that's what made me think of it when you said Smurf. Oh, Smurf. That word has so many different ways it can be applied. So whatever word that is, go to Facebook, Healthy Critters Radio on Facebook, and tell us what your favorite word is that you can use in any way. Like Smurf. Now, of course, it has to be family-friendly because it's Facebook. But we want to know. I'm very curious. Smurf! Murf.
2: That's going to be the word of the day. It's going to be Smurf. the word of
1: the day. Oh, wow. Well, we wasted so much time on that we already have time for the second one. Okay, what is your least favorite sound?
2: Dog vomiting. Oh!
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. We won't, yeah. we won't. Yeah, I won't, I won't. Um, <laughs> no explanation needed. Nope. Nope. Anybody who's ever been around a dog knows exactly what we're talking about. right? <laughs> exactly. <there>. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, that was wow. Easy. Oh, wow. And well, speaking of questions, we're going to do the same thing to Hedwig and Hedwig doesn't know that yet.
2: Perfect.
1: Perfect. So let's call Hedwig the world's only podcasting Pomeranian.
0: (laughs) Hedwig!
1: Hedwig! Hello, hello! (laughs) don't know why you say goodbye, I say hello! (laughs) Hedwig, we're going to have fun today.
2: Yeah. Good.
1: Good. We we're going to ask you two questions from James Lipton's TV show inside the actor's studio. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I asked Tigger these same two questions earlier today. Did she get them wrong? She got them absolutely right. Oh, are so they, very, are they very easy questions? They are. Okay, good. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. No help from your human. No help from your siblings. I cannot imagine my human would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> She's only helpful when she has cheese for you. Yeah. Cheese. Cheese. Okay. I see. I might have given it away. What's your favorite word? Oh, my favorite word. Small. <laughs> That's almost smurf. Small, really? That's surprising. Why small? Well, it's spelled S
2: M O L L L L. And it's the type of
1: dog I am a small dog. (laughs) I see. Not small like us humans talk about. It's the Pomeranian Hedwig's small. Okay, got it. Small. I like it. Small. Small. Now, what are some applications for that word in your life?
2: I'm just a small dog. Please lift me up those big stairs.
1: Okay. And uh, would would this apply? I would like a small amount of cheese. No. No. (laughs) Your brain is small. Please (laughs) give me all the cheese. There we go. Okay, next question. What is your least favorite sound? Oh, the peas! I don't like the words with peas in. You don't like, like words with p? No, or t? I don't or like. It.
2: No, so a word like dwarf is very rewarding to say. A word like tuppence is irritating. Really? Yes. Pittance. Really? Pittance is a word that makes me want to go absolutely ballistic.
1: Oh, but that has a t in it. Which makes oh, it even worse. But not with a P with no, okay. So P's and T's in the same word make you a little twitchy? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Okay. Wow. Your 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 podcasting Pomeranian OCD is beyond <laughs> anything I ever imagined. Thank you so much for sharing.
2: I think it's very likely you have not really
1: considered my many, many Intellectual predilections. <laughs> <I did not. laughs> and that's a word with a P and a T in it, by the way. I know. <laughs> that's why I chose that word. <laughs> Does that word make you uncomfortable? Predilections? Yes. Yes, I see. So we'll try not to use it anymore. Or we'll use it
2: a lot. Next
1: or we'll time. use it a lot. There we go. The word of the day, by the way, Hedwig, is where we have a word of the day on... Health critters every time now. First time today, but we're going to continue it. And today's word is smurf. Mm, Is it? Yes. (laughs) It's not really a word. It is a lovely word. It's a fantastic word. The word. We love it. Smurf. Boy. Yep. It's a great Uh, word. Well, Hedwig, thank you so much for sharing these details and insights into your little universe. And we'll talk to you again next time. Always nice to share my predilections with you. <laughs> I
2: knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Patty. Au revoir.
1: And now it's time for the breed of the show.
2: So now we're at the critter of the show portion, and I chose the red panda.
1: Stop right there. And if you're... Everybody knows pandas are black and white. <laughs> I'm just calling you out.
2: Actually, red pandas are the only true panda. Giant Ooh. pandas belong to the bear family. Ooh. Red pandas actually developed like two million years before the big pandas. Now, they do have some shared characteristics bamboo. And they have a bonus digit called a pseudo thumb. The, the term panda it comes from Nepalese words, negalia ponya, which translates to bamboo eater. There are two distinct species of red panda. By the way, I love the giant pandas, but they're impractical to have in my living room. However, a Chinese red panda, Or a Himalayan red panda, they're a little bit bigger than a cat, would be perfect. So that's why I like them. (laughs) The Chinese red pandas have a redder face and more tail rings. And the Himalayan red pandas are smaller and have lighter colored fur. They are carnivores, but they rarely eat meat. Carnivore refers to their biological order, not their dietary preference.
1: I didn't know they could do that. Uh okay.
2: red pandas. Yes, isn't that interesting? Red pandas descended from a shared ancestor with other carnivores. They share cat-like facial features and teeth, but they switched to a bamboo diet more than 2 million years ago.
1: Wow.
2: Their teeth are designed for ripping and shredding, but somewhere along the way they decided This is a quote from a curator for red pandas at Zoo Knoxville. Quote, the pandas decided bamboo doesn't run away. It's always green. It's a big grass. You can always find it. I'm going to find a way to make this work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, are red pandas in a similar state of endangerment as the big black and white ones that we're all familiar with? Yes,
2: yes. Yes, they Same,
1: are. same reason, just for habitat encroachment? Or don't we know? Yes. Yeah?
2: They are listed as endangered. They, are, they live in trees. They have sharp, semi-retractable claws like a cat. And they are able to go, like, not only climb up, but they can go head down. Because they have... Flexible ankles, which is pretty cool, I think. They always crawl down a tree head first. And their fibula and tibia are attached in a way that allows their feet to rotate 180 degrees. Ew! Giving their curved claws a better angle to grip tree bark. I think that's incredibly clever.
1: Hmm. Yeah. They have, they have swively ankles So angles. their home
2: is... <laughs> Their home are the mountainous forests of China, India, Nepal, Bhutan, and Myanmar. Um, they camouflage very well, so it's very hard to see them. Fewer than 10,000 survive in the wild. Wow. It's a pretty small number. Yeah. Hundreds live in zoos. Those that have survived in the wild are confined to pockets of intact forest. The animals are isolated in small groups and losing maybe one female, for example, may totally wipe out the reproductive potential of the whole group. There's a competition between human and red pandas for space and resources. Poaching is a huge threat to pan- red pandas. Um, Some animals are taken from the wild to be kept as pets. And others are killed for their fur. Red pandas like to live on their own except for moms and their cubs. Males are solitary, and they've got to work to find a female partner and search for a suitable bait in the winter and the spring. To alert other pandas to their presence, males mark territory with scent glands on their feet, which is amazing to me. The glands secrete a colorless liquid that is pungent to pandas but odorless to humans, which I find fascinating. Females are only fertile for one or two days a
1: year. So they also have that in common with the big black and white ones. Interesting. Uh-huh.
2: And the red panda's gestation period is as short as 93 days or as long as 156 days.
1: Wow, that's quite a very quite a spread. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What
1: are you gonna have your baby? Oh, sometime this year.
2: <laughs> yes. The litters are uh, one to four cubs. Um, new, according to this expert, newborn red pandas are about the size and shape of a Twinkie.
1: Oh, <laughs> is that smurf? Spur- smurf? Smurf!
2: <laughs> and young pandas p- pounce and play and build skills. They're considered full grown after two years and reach the house of a fluffy house cat. Um, they conserve their, their energies by slowing their metabolic rate. They drift into a deep sleep, kind of like hibernation, dropping their core body temperature and respiration. Red pandas' tails not only help them balance as they navigate trees, they also act as built in blankets. Also, oh, they wonderful. have a tail, too, huh? Um, Yes. Oh, yeah. They're not, they're not a bear. Giant pandas are bears, and red pandas are not.
1: Huh. So I and when the temperature
2: got... gets warm, red pandas stretch out on the branches and pant to stay cool. So that's a, a few basics about red pandas I find incredibly adorable.
1: The red pandas are the basics want one. Right there. But and you want one.
2: <laughs> I would never. I would never. I would never take one out of the wild. But they are. Have you seen a picture of them? They're adorable.
1: Yes. Of, well, mean, of course I had to Google it. They're, they're <laughs> like a fox cat cross. Yeah. Yeah. They're very much. They don't look bear a bear-like at all. No. no. Yeah. So which came first? The big black and white panda or the red panda?
2: I don't know.
1: Not, not which one came first but which one got named first you want know, to see where i'm going with that it's because oh. the, the panda bear is a bear the red panda is not a bear so the All word right. panda was that applied to the little guy first and the red the big one was named wrong or was it applied to the big one and the little one got named wrong cuz I, now i know want to know not only how do you do allergy testing for horses now i need to know where the word <laughs> panda came from so i'm
2: going I to just have to told go troubleshoot <laughs> Nigala which translates to bamboo eater in Nepalese.
1: So they got called panda not because of their species, but because of what they ate.
2: Correct. Interesting. Huh. By the people who lived with them.
1: Interesting. Now we go. So I could be called pizza.
2: And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and I'm going to focus on definitions, labeling definitions. To all of you, I have a confession. I can be lulled by a product marketing campaign as easy as anyone. Words such as whole food, adaptogens, organic, science, innovative, can stop me in my tracks and drive me to learn more about the product rather than moving on by. Words that don't stop me include all-natural, natural, natural, human-grade ingredients. Those terms are meaningless in the context of reality. All-natural and natural, the FDA. Products like lemon-flavored Oreos, Simply Cheetos, and natural Skippy peanut butter meet the FDA guidelines for natural because they don't have artificial ingredients or added food colorings. But these products can contain GMOs, herbicide, and pesticide residue, and still be labeled natural. The FDA does not consider the word natural to describe any nutritional or health benefits. All natural and natural from the USDA. The USDA's definition of natural includes minimally processed meats, yet does not exclude animals raised on hormones and antibiotics and animals fed GMO feed or raised in concentrated animal feeding operations. Let's take, for example, B vitamins and the FDA. B vitamins in supplements and fortified foods, for example, are predominantly made from coal tar. They are petroleum extracts and can be labeled natural. Personally, I want my B vitamins from real food sources like rice or yeast or eggs, fish, meat, avocados, fish, lentils, and sunflower seeds. The FDA and USDA and label standards. The FDA and USDA have not engaged in rules to establish a formal definition for the term natural and meaningful labeling standards. They have started a formal process to address the natural labeling issue. Many companies in the food industry oppose labeling changes. The Grocery Manufacturers Association filed a petition with the FDA, arguing the agency should continue to allow the natural label be used on products containing GMOs. Consumer advocacy groups favor the term natural should be assigned to organic food only. Companies profit off consumer confusion. Consumers think natural is like organic, which couldn't be further from the truth. As you can see from the FDA and USDA guidelines, labeling a product all natural and natural really doesn't mean much. Human-grade ingredients, pet food. In 2023, the Association of American Feed Control Officials established new guidelines on what constitutes a human-grade dog food. Before these new guidelines went into effect, all that was expected of a human-grade label or website claim was, quote, sourced from a USDA-inspected facility, end quote. All meat foods go through an inspection where edible for the human market and inedible for the pet market is determined. So AFCO created these new guidelines for human grade labeling. Number one, human grade includes the entire product and every ingredient in it. Number two, all supplied ingredients are fit for human consumption. Number three, Every ingredient and all products are stored in compliance with the FDA's controls for human food. Number four. The manufacturing facility is licensed to produce human food. Number five. Statements of quality or grade cannot appear on the ingredient statement. Number six. Manufacturers must maintain written procedures documenting proper handling throughout the distribution channel. Now. Based on AFCO's guidelines for human-grade dog food, raw food for dogs doesn't qualify. Since AFCO states that all ingredients be edible for humans, raw meat isn't considered human-edible without cooking. Cooked, fresh dog foods can be labeled human-grade, but not raw food. The raw food you buy your pet may be for the human food chain, but the company cannot label the food human-grade. Natural and artificial flavorings. For a flavoring to be labeled natural, according to the FDA, the flavor must be derived from plant or animal material. But this can be only 10% of the flavoring itself. For example, a natural flavoring such as apple can be comprised of 80 to 90% chemical additives. These include preservatives, emulsifiers, solvents, flavor modifiers, and more. And here's the kicker. Flavor manufacturers are not required to list the ingredients their flavors contain, nor are they required to disclose the plant or animal source. Artificial flavorings are 100% chemically synthesized. So the irony of the flavoring industry is that the largest flavoring company is Givaudan in Switzerland, also known as a big player in the fragrance industry. One of the goals of flavoring is not only to hide unpleasant tasting ingredients, but to create a desire in the person or animal to eat more of the food. Flavoring companies are essentially creating addictive tastes in our animals and in ourselves. With a growing epidemic of overweight horses and dogs, feeding them a food or supplement that creates cravings may not be in their best health interest. Descriptors such as all-natural and natural have no bearing on the health and well-being of horses and dogs, and in no way describes quality or potency. Natural or artificial flavorings have, in my opinion, a questionable role in horse and dog supplements and foods. Remember, flavorings are designed to create a kind of addiction or craving for the food or supplement. With the growing issues of overweight horses and dogs, flavoring in foods and supplements Needs to be questioned, in my opinion, and in many cases, avoided.
0: Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why BioStar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs.
2: Our roundtable today is the topic of, is it time to get your horse allergy tested? And before Chen asks me, I'm going to intercede with what I know she's going to ask me, which is, Tigger, what made you think of that?
1: You're getting good at this. You're getting so good at this. <laughs>
2: yes. I have been reading a lot of allergy tests from clients. And this is kind of the time of year, spring and summer and to some degree fall, where horses that just don't seem to respond to anything but still aren't quite right, I get a call and one of the first things when they explain everything that the vet has done and everything that they have done, I say, you know, have you had your horse allergy tested? And a lot of times people's response to that are no, I haven't had my worst allergy tested and I've heard it's kind of bogus and you can't really trust it and da 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 da. da. And my point about allergy testing is you're right. It is not hundred percent perfect. It's not any less perfect, really, in my mind, than the test for EPM and LIMES. You, you do get false positives on all these tests. It's a tool in the toolbox. And when you've tried everything else and your horse is still not quite right, getting an allergy test gives you a place to start. In other words, which primarily is food. And I can tell you just from personal experience, I would say that 90% of the allergy tests that I read from customers, when they eliminate the foods with a high number of IgG response on the panel. And let's say it's the common ones, flax, soy, and alfalfa. When those are removed, either within days or weeks, the horse improves. Sometimes it's in 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. and, And what's really interesting is that with some horses in a year, when you retest, they will not have the same high numbers to those allergens. Hmm. Now, some still do, but some don't, and you can start reintroducing those foods. Interesting. Yeah. And sometimes where I go with allergy testing is for the horse that performance-wise, he's perfectly sound. He has a good appetite and no problems there, but he's just not quite right. You can tell the rider tells me the look in his eye. They've treated him for ulcers, blah, 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 blah. And he still just isn't right. And and riders know this. Owners know this. We know our horses really well. And then we do an allergy test and we find out, wow, he's been getting a feed that has Timothy in it and he's allergic to it. Take the Timothy away. The horse feels better, brighter, happier, can work better.
1: So for somebody who's never had a horse allergy tested before, what? how do you do an allergy test? Do you poke them with those little pokey things like you do with people? What happens? Well, there's two kinds.
2: There's the blood draw... the vet comes out, pulls the blood, sends it off to the lab. The other is where they actually do the the skin prick. That's a very detailed, takes about half a day, according to UC Davis. You know, because they're going to go through every single mosquito bug, mm-hmm. um, you know, fungi.
1: Mm-hmm. But I would, so, as- I, I would assume, though, that that one's going to give you a lot more a lot more clear, accurate results than the other one?
2: For sure. Okay. And I don't tell people which test to get. I just say, get them tested. Mm -hmm. And I would say most people go for the blood first because we have this tendency with our horses, we want to get it fixed. And when you've been, I don't want to say floundering, but I'm going to say floundering. When you've been trying to get your horse right and, and nothing has worked, and, you know, the vet is gone. I, I've i done everything I can, I you know. And you go, okay, I'm going to get an allergy tested. And you get it back in seven to 10 days. No, it's not perfect, but it gives you a place to go. And then, you know, if you want to get really more detailed and you want to get into, you know, serum injections for the allergy, then you go for the skin test.
1: So they can again not familiar with how allergies are tested or treated so if you discover we're going to use timothy since we brought that one up your horse is allergic to timothy according to a test whether it's the blood test or the pokey test yeah um they can they treat it like they do with humans where they give you injections to help your body figure out that that's not an allergen in a horse yes, yes. i didn't know that yeah Can they only do that with certain substances, or whatever your horse is allergic to?
2: You know, I don't know. Oh, now we're gonna have
1: to go find an allergy expert.
2: So few. There's not a lot of owners that do that with their horse. They just do the elimination diet. Take. But then, if your
1: horse is allergic to fungus, a fungus that you might because you really can't eliminate fungus in their in their. World, they're exposed to it all the time. If you find something that's ubiquitous, pine pollen, interesting. See, now, now I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of finding <laughs> an equine allergy expert because now I want to know. Because I have an itchy pony and a horse that breathes like Darth Vader. So I want to know. Uh,
2: yeah, uh, breathing is can be. Heavy breathing can definitely be a sign of an allerg, you know,
1: yeah. allergens. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I at first I thought it was his bedding because they both get a little coffee if they're left in a stall with pine shavings, but I'm pretty sure it is related to summer something. Either you don't hear it in the winter because he doesn't have to breathe as hard, right, or but then when I ride him in the winter, he doesn't make the noise. But in the okay. summers, when as the summer ramps up, it increases, but he he never has any of those heavy moments. You can just hear him breathe. It's almost like he's got roaring more than a mm-hmm. breathing problem. It has that sound to it. Okay. And but he's he didn't come with it. He he was exposed to some really bad smoke once, and that's when it developed. Ah uh... Yeah, but it, it's never changed. It's Well, it was really bad the first year. Now it's kind of, but it is seasonal. So, I don't so, in the winter. know,
2: a nebulizer might be beneficial for him in the summer.
1: Yeah. Well, he stands around and, and takes up space in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> He's also anhy- an- anhydrotic, so I can't ride him. So I was like, oh, just breathe any way you want, dude. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's
2: such, is he improved in the anhydrosis?
1: He has. And I'm chalking it up to the 153rd use of coconut oil (laughs) that I mentioned before. Yes, you did. Because I've been giving him the 1AC since it started three years ago. But I didn't see an improvement till I started using the spa oil treatment. That's when I started to see an improvement. So I'm chalking it up to that and uh, lack of bathing. I did give him a bath once this summer so far. Cause he gets so sticky, sweaty, stinky.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I don't, he doesn't get rinsed. He doesn't get washed. He's sweaty almost all the time. So it's really hard to groom him. Um, so he actually stinks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he, has, he has armpit odor. <laughs> so I did give him a bath once this year and he didn't sweat for about three days. <laughs> wow. I re- I really had to play catch up. With his coat to get him back to normal. But now, the temperatures here right now are mid to upper 90s every day, um, mid to lower 80s at night. And when I I go out to the barn in the morning, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, he's been standing outside great because he's out 24-7 pretty much. um, And he's been out in the sun grazing. He'll be damp on most of his body, which I'm calling that a win. I'm calling that a win. Yeah. Yeah. So now he he absolutely does not sweat if he gets ridden. As soon as he starts to work, where a horse would sweat from working, dries up like a wow. Um, so there's no riding involved, it's a lot of oh, let's do some liberty work and let's do some groundwork and (laughs) let's go for a walk in the trees. But now, see, now I want to go down and find an allergy expert and find out exactly how these tests work, what they test for, how it happens, the whole thing. I need to know. Of course. Stay tuned, people. Stay tuned. (laughs) So that's interesting. Now, I completely hijacked your roundtable.
0: No, that was perfect. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on
2: iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's
0: free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog.
2: Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Wrap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie.
0: Yawn with
2: your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs)